Before we hear the gospel and we invite Reverend Luttrell to open the word for us, I wanted to mention that the last two Sundays we have been looking at growth and growth in this congregation as we think about how we are stewards of this plot of God's kingdom here on earth. As many of you know, our stewardship and budget team have put together this beautiful story about where we're at right now. If you haven't received it yet, we'll be happy to get you one, but by now everyone should have gotten it either in the mail or picking it up here. Last year on this Sunday, this Stewardship Sunday, we invited the Reverend Frank Schaefer of the Methodist Church to be with us. And so it felt very fitting this year to invite our district superintendent. Sometimes you fear that these denominational officials are a little stuffy and uptight. That is not the case with Reverend Luttrell. She keeps it real and she keeps it faith-based for all of us about what we're doing in church. So it's with great delight that we invite her today on this Stewardship Sunday to be with us. Later in the worship during our offering, if you have brought your pledge form today, you can place it in the offering. We'll also be receiving pledge forms next week. If you decide to pledge online, you can write that on your form. So I invite us now to welcome Reverend Luttrell to open up the word for us. Thank you so very much. And it is a joy and a privilege to be with you this morning. And uh, before we hear from the gospel, I do want to thank your pastor, Reverend Dr. Kidd, for allowing me <laughs> to be here, and also my friend Lisa, who I'm so excited, has a parish waiting for her back home, but I lament that you are leaving us. So thank you for your work. Thank you for your hospitality and your graciousness. So wonderful to be here. You are one of 52 churches on the Metro Boston Hope District. You are one of three union or federated churches on that district. So you are part of a chorus of individuals who make up Metro Boston Hope. And I'm just so proud and honored to be with you today. Thank you for this opportunity. The Gospel reading comes from Matthew, the sixth chapter, beginning with verse 19. Let us listen for the word of God. Stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth, where moth and rust eat them and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourselves in heaven, hmm? where moth and rust don't eat them and where thieves don't break in and steal them. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The word of Christ. Thanks. Amen. Amen. May we pray. Gracious and holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Speak, God, for your servant, your people are listening. Amen. As you are in this season of giving to grow and growing to give, the word that God gave to me for us to attend to for just a little while is, it all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. In the beginning, before the stars lit up the sky, before the blue waters rippled against the sun-kissed beaches, before time was measured, began to measure our existence and cataloged our days, before man and woman drew their first breath, before petri dishes and right angles, before logic and reasoning and calla lilies and DNA, 
in the beginning, God. God and God alone. God had no beginning and God has no end. No being caused God to be created, huh? Nothing formed God. God just is. One of the best sermons I've ever heard preached, and all you grammaticians out there cover your ears because it, it will grate among you, was the isness of God. Huh? The isness of God. God is. God is. As Eugene Peterson, the author of the Message Bible, states, if we don't have a sense of the primacy of God, we will never get it right, get life right, get our lives right. Not God at the margins. Not God as an option. Not God on the weekends. Well, God at the center and the circumference. God first and last. God, God, The Genesis account of creation is not just a nice bedtime story that we are to read to children before we put them to sleep. No, it is a confession of our faith. We waste our time arguing over whether it is a literal step-by-step -step account, huh? Of how the earth came to be and how long the world has been in existence, whether it happened in six days or over a millennia. For as believers in Almighty God, it establishes how we are to perceive the world and so order our lives. If we confess that God is the ground and the source of our being, then we are establishing the sovereignty of God and publicly proclaiming that God is the head of our lives. Genesis gives us a vocabulary for talking about how our lives are to be lived in relationship to the Creator and to one another. Hmm? Genesis establishes who and whose we are, from whence we have come and where we are going. Genesis helps us to put first things first. The Reverend Dr. Ann Robertson, an elder in our conference and the director of the Massachusetts Bible Society, conducted a stewardship workshop herself a few years ago, and she invited all of the participants to take part in an exercise. She invited us to drop the possessive personal pronoun my from our vocabulary and to substitute instead God's. So for instance, instead of saying, that's my car, we were invited to say that's God's car. Hmm? Instead of saying this is my body, we were invited to say this is God's body. Once we became comfortable with that, however, she then took us a step further. We were invited to say this is God's car and I'll do with it whatever I please. Hmm. This is God's body but I'll put in it anything I feel like. Mm, doesn't sound right, does it? Nor does it feel right. Hmm? Imagine saying this is God's child, but I'll treat him or her any way I see fit. It doesn't connect. There's a disconnect. There's a cognitive dissonance huh? in that statement when you say it in that way. Try speaking that way for a day and then meditate on how you begin to relate to and see the world. Oh, but 
and wasn't done with us yet. She then invited us to say, this is God's money, and I'll spend it any way I please. That one really catches most of us up. That one really catches most of us up. Because if we're honest, huh? When it comes to tithing, when it comes to our stewardship, oh, it, 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 we, we can do it. We can do it with a smile on our face when it's $100, right? 10% of 100, absolutely. The smile is still there if we say 10% of 1,000. It's all right. What about 10,000? What about 10% of 100,000? At that point, we start asking, now wait a minute, is it on the net or the gross? <laughs> it gets a little bit different the more that God gives to us, but if it all belongs to God, then the amount is irrelevant. Our giving should still be with joy and out of an understanding, again, of whose we are. Our confession of faith, our theology, our understanding should inform our living and our giving, our loving and our relating, our serving and our sacrificing. In too many of our modern liturgies, we have ceased to confess our faith. We have moved away from creedal statements to more free-flowing modern recitations. But those former statements, statements like the Apostles' Creed and, and, and others of that ilk, kept us grounded and rooted in our faith. For the opening stanza, I believe in God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, asserted our belief in God first and foremost. It asserted that all that exists comes from God. The fourth gospel writer put it like this, all things were made through God and without God nothing was made that has been made. As brilliant as we believe ourselves to be, as learned and intuitive and logical and resourceful as we think we are, we can do nothing and create nothing apart from God. I know that that's foreign to our Western individualistic, I pulled myself by, up by my own bootstraps mentality. But as those who have professed to be followers of Jesus the Christ, it is the very crux and the core of our belief. I know there is stem cell research, I know. And I know that there's cloning and artificial insemination and test tube babies and cell regeneration, but oh, who created the cells? A great musician, his name was Jerry Dyke, that I had the pleasure of working with. He was on staff at the first church that I served, Pearl Street United Methodist Church in Brockton. He shared a joke that I think brings it right home. Hmm? A scientist challenged the sovereignty of God by saying that he could create a human being just as God had done. So God accepted the challenge and invited the scientist to go ahead and create a man or a woman. The scientist reached down and scooped up a handful of dirt and was just about to go to work and God said, wait a minute, get your own dirt. <laughs> Beloved, we have to put first things first. As Christ was holding a roadside tutorial for his newly called followers, he was sharing with them the framework for living a life of discipleship, for living a life of 
discipleship. These men and women needed to understand priorities within the kingdom of God rather than priorities according to the world. Jesus instructed them to resist storing up for themselves treasures on earth, all those little accoutrements of life, that all those shiny objects that we see and we want them and we want them and we want them. Stop accumulating those things for yourselves because they will be gone in the twinkling of an eye. Oh, but store up for yourselves, huh? Treasures in heaven which cannot be destroyed nor taken. Stir up for yourself some compassion, some love, some generosity, huh? That can't be taken. It won't rust. Store up for yourselves, not always putting yourself first, but making room for the needs and the desires of others. Do some healing in the land. Those are the kinds of things that will last only what we do for Christ will last. Stop storing up for yourselves those things that you think everybody else has. I have to have. They don't last. But when we offer the love of God, that is eternal. He also reminded them that it was a matter of the heart. For he said, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. So this understanding of who we are as children of God, as disciples, it cannot just be an intellectual exercise. The founder of the Methodist Church, when he really had his full conversion experience, said, my heart is strangely warmed. Those are the words of John Wesley. Have our hearts been strangely warmed enough to really be willing to walk in true discipleship? It cannot just be an intellectual exercise. We have to have given our whole being over to Almighty God. Now, I can imagine that for those early disciples, just as it is for us, these were hard words to hear. It's easy to confess a belief in God and a willingness to follow Christ when it's all just purely theoretical. But when we have to literally begin to put our money where our mouth is, it becomes more difficult. As one writer put it, intellectually we rejoice in God's sovereignty, without which the world would be a terrifying place. But when God's sovereignty encroaches our domain of control, we often begin to react with telltale resentment. If we confess God as creator, and desire to live as followers of Christ, our witness requires more than mere lip service. It requires a change of heart and a change of habit. I'm not here, beloved, to command or cajole. I'm simply here as a witness to the abundance that can be found when we put God first. When we put God first. But that requires some humility on our part. And one of the ways that I remind myself of the posture that I need to be taking as a disciple of Jesus Christ is a song that I learned a long time ago. A song that reminds me of in who I am and whose I am. Amazing grace. 
on the side, God first always. God looked beyond all of our faults and saw all of our needs. Let us put God first in our lives. 